Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. paleontologist I'm Dinosaur George and I'm so happy to be spending more time with you I hope everybody is doing well and that you're studying your dinosaurs and your prehistoric animals because remember you are going to be the future of paleontology all of you so welcome we now have 126,000 listeners And we are heard in 109 countries. We've been at 108 countries for the longest time, but uh, we finally reached 109 countries. Now, unfortunately, I can't say for sure what the new country is. I, I I don't have any way of knowing that. I just get this complete number. So anyway, if you are listening to me anywhere in the world, welcome You are like family to me, and I'm so glad that you are listening to my podcast. Uh, We also now have 338 Patreon Club members. So our Patreon Club has grown dramatically. And by the way, if you are older than 10, if you are 10 years or older, we now have a club for you. It's called the Plus 10 T-Rex Club. And it's the exact same thing as our regular T-Rex club, only this one is for ages 10 and above. So it's exactly like the other one. If you are already a T-Rex member and you are now 10 years old or older, you can simply move into that new club. It doesn't cost you anything. It's the exact same price. If you are a Raptor Club member who is 10 years old or older, and you want to join the 10 plus Rex club, well, there's a cost to do it. It's $5 a month more than what you're paying now. But if you want to move, if you're, if you're 10, you've got to ask your parents permission. You can't just go in and change it yourself because that's going to charge your parents card. And, uh, you want to make sure that you get that. Okay. Before you do it. And if you just want to become a Triceratops member, that costs a dollar a month. So all of my club memberships are very affordable. They start at a dollar. They go to $5 and then up to $10. And now there's the plus 10 Rex club, which is going to be for the older students, the older members. But again, it's exactly the same as the regular T-Rex club. It's just, it's just directed to older students or older members. So... Things have been going great. I've been super crazy busy. I am thrilled to say that I am finally finished doing all of my presentations at the San Antonio Zoo. I've enjoyed it a lot. I think I did something like 20 or 30 of them. And so every weekend, it's been very hard for me because I've always been working out at the zoo. So now I'm glad to say that I'm done with that. I've enjoyed them very much, and I certainly appreciate the San Antonio Zoo for allowing me to come out there and speak to some of the visitors. 
but I'm kind of glad that's behind me. But now I'm beginning to become real busy with my traveling dinosaur museum. Now, the traveling museum is something that goes to elementary schools. Pretty much we focus in Texas, but we'll go to Oklahoma or New Mexico or Louisiana, any state that's close. We're able to do that. Um, So if you live in Texas or any state that is close to Texas, that could be Arizona, that could be New Mexico, Colorado, Oklahoma, Louisiana, um, and you want us to come to your school, have your teachers go to our website, dinosaurgeorge.com, and get the information. I would love to bring our traveling museum to you. Now, speaking about the zoo, I want to give a special shout out to Peter and Hannah, who came out and saw me at the San Antonio Zoo this past weekend. It was so nice to see them and nice to see so many of you. So shout out to you guys for coming out and sitting there and listening to me talk a little bit about dinosaurs. I hope you enjoyed it. So Peter and Hannah, thank you so much for coming out. All right. um, Let's see. Today's feature creature is one that I absolutely love. I absolutely love this animal. So let's go right into the feature creature. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. So this episode's feature creature is the long-necked swimming sea reptile, Elasmosaurus. Now, many of you would recognize this animal if I called it a plesiosaurus. Plesiosaurs are a family. Remember how I taught you that mosasaurs were a family? Pterosaurs were a family? Well, plesiosaurs are a family. And within the family of plesiosaurs, there's a bunch of different species. The one we're going to focus on is Elasmosaurus. Now, that's the one that has one of the longest necks of any creature that lived in the ocean. In fact, its neck is is incredibly long compared to its body size. It's one of the longest necks of any animal compared to the size of its body. Like when you compare it to like the long-necked Diplodocus or Seismosaurus or Mementosaurus, its neck isn't as long as theirs, but its body isn't as big either. So that why that's why I say it's got one of the longest necks compared to its body size. Elasmosaurus is a remarkable animal. Now, the name Elasmosaurus means thin plate reptile. And the reason for that is when you look at its stomach, there are its thin piece of bone that kind of gives it the bottom of its stomach. And if I, if I remember correctly, that's where the name comes from from that thin bone that makes up what you and I would think of as its chest or what, what protected its tummy. So that's how it gets its name. Now, this is an animal that's estimated to grow between 10 and 12 meters. That's like 34 to 42 feet long. That's as long as a Tyrannosaurus rex. This is a very large animal. And the most amazing thing, of course, is its neck. Its neck was, was half the size of its body was its neck. Some people think the neck was 
over seven meters long. That's over 23 feet long. That's just the neck. Now, found throughout North America, and they lived in the late Cretaceous between 80 to 65 million years ago. They are considered a quadruped because they move by using their four legs. Now, in the case of Elasmosaurus, its legs are flippers, but they still count as legs. So even though this is an animal that does not walk on land, we would still reference it or describe it as a quadruped. No, it's not walking with those flippers, but it's still using them to move it. And that's basically what it means is is quadruped means to move on four legs or in the case of this four flippers. And it is a carnivore. Now, it was discovered in 1867 in Kansas. And it was shipped to a paleontologist named Edward Cope. Now, paleontology, uh, Edward Cope, accidentally put the skull on the tail. Because he, caught, he thought the tail was the neck. And his rival, named paleontologist Othniel Marsh, Othniel Marsh realized he had made the mistake and he made fun of him. He told everybody in the science community what a mistake that Cope had made. And that started a war between these two paleontologists. If you've ever heard of something called the Bone Wars, these two paleontologists disliked each other so much that the things they did to each other were crazy. And I'm going to do a podcast on the Bone Wars so I can go into more detail. But I will just tell you right now that it was the it was Elasmosaurus that started the Bone Wars between uh, Edward Cope and Othniel Marsh. Those two paleontologists started a war between each other. Now, that doesn't mean they were killing people. But oh, what I mean by war is they were they were destroying the other people's fossils. They were hiring spies to go spy. They were even trying to stop trains that were carrying bones from getting back to their destination. These two really hated each other. And it was all because Edward Cope accidentally put the head onto the tail. Now, you might go, well, how could anybody make that mistake? There's two reasons why. Number one, nobody had ever seen this animal before. And number two, its entire skeleton wasn't discovered yet. There were missing pieces. And in the case of the pieces that they found, the jaws of this animal were actually laying near the tail. And therefore, since, since Cope had never seen this animal before, nor had anybody else, they made, at the time, a perfectly good guess. Scientists make guesses all the time. You try to use the most evidence available, but it doesn't mean you're always going to be right. Scientists are not always right. Sometimes they make mistakes. So this is an example of a very simple mistake that has a logical reason. Because the jaws were laying by the tail, and therefore the scientists thought the tail must be the neck. Now, of course, it was later that they found more of the animal and then, of course, recognized the mistake. But it was that mistake. And see, the, the bad part about this 
is that Othniel Marsh should have never publicly humiliated him for making a mistake. That's not the appropriate way to do things. That's not what scientists should do. So in my particular opinion, it was bad behavior that created horrible behavior between these two scientists. It was bad behavior. That's why you never want to make fun of people. That's why you never want to, you know, if somebody disagrees with you, you don't have to make fun of them. You can just disagree. And that's what being a scientist is. So anyway, um, it was discovered in 1867 in Kansas. And then, of course, the mistake by Edward Cope started the Bone Wars. It was described in 1869 after they went back to the place where the bones were found and they found more of it. Now, those of you that have listened to my podcast, remember what I've told you about what it means to describe a dinosaur. When a new animal is discovered or plant is discovered, the scientists have to do a bunch of research and tell you everything about it. And sometimes that can take a long time. It was discovered in 1867, but it was described in 1869 after they found more pieces. Now, of course, when you see a picture of this long-necked plesiosaur, again, its name is Elasmosaurus, but the family it comes from is a plesiosaur, the first thing you look at is that neck. That neck is crazy. Do you know it had 72 neck vertebra? A vertebra is the bones that you and I have that go from the back of our head, down our neck, and down to the to our lower back. If you take your finger and you rub it right down the middle of your back, you feel little bumpy things. Or ask your mom or dad if you're young uh, to take their finger and run it down, and you can feel the little, as your fi- their finger goes down your back, you'll feel the little bumpy vertebra. Those are your vertebra. Well, in Elasmosaurus, there were 72 in the neck. But the neck was not flexible. And by flexible, that means it couldn't wiggle around. They couldn't move it back and forth. They couldn't twist and turn it like a snake. The neck was actually kind of stiff. But that's important when it lives in the water. Because if its neck could wiggle real easily, then if it was swimming, the water, the movement of the water would push its neck to the side. It would be hard to keep its it would be hard to look forward because your head would want to keep moving to one side or the other because the water would be pushing your neck over to the side. So their necks are not flexible. And here's the other thing. They could not lift their necks out of the water. At least not very high, maybe a little bit, but not very high. Their neck muscles were not made for supporting the weight. Yes, in the water, they can support the weight because the water lifts it. That's why whales are so heavy. Whales are heavy because the water supports their body. Manatees cannot walk on land because they're too heavy. The water has to support them. A whale cannot walk on land because their body needs the water to support them. So Elasmosaurus's neck. Now, when I was a kid, there was great, I used to love these images of these elasmosauruses near the surface with their head way up in the air. I even remember one where it grabbed a pterosaur out of the sky. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. But the new scientific evidence suggests they could not have done that. At least they don't think it could. Again, remember, science isn't always correct. 
maybe it was more flexible than we think, but all of the evidence suggests that it could not lift its head very high out of the water. It could certainly poke its head out of the water and maybe look around, you know, to look for danger maybe, or to look for maybe a school of fish somewhere. Maybe it could lift its head, but not way out of the water like we've seen in some pictures. So if it couldn't move its neck easily, why did it have such a long neck? What's the reason? When I was young, I thought it had a long neck because it could kind of like chase fish underwater with that neck, sort of like a sea snake, right? Moving it real quickly and moving it, chasing a fish. It doesn't look like it could do that. So then how? Then what was the neck? Why was the neck so long? If you can't stick it up out of the water to look around like a periscope on a submarine, or you can't wiggle your neck underwater real quick to grab a fish, then why do you have such a long neck? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. It's a great mystery. You know, one of the things I love about paleontology is that we don't have all the answers. And you know what that means? Some of you listening to this podcast right now who may decide to become a paleontologist, you have so many questions that maybe one day you'll help answer. Think about that for a minute. You might be able to answer some of the questions that I've asked on this podcast. Can you imagine 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, you're sitting somewhere and you make a scientific discovery and you go, I found the answer, Dinosaur George. I found the answer. How exciting would that be? So I don't understand why its neck is so long. I just don't understand why. It, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. If the neck isn't flexible, why would you have such a long neck? What would be the reason for it? I, I truly don't know. I, I just don't know. Some of the other mysteries. Did plesiosaurs lay eggs or did they have live babies? I don't have the answer to that either. Now, when I was younger, I looked at the body of a plesiosaur because it, you know what it looks like? It looks like it has the body of a turtle with an extra long neck. It looks like a sea turtle. It looks like somebody grabbed a sea turtle by the neck and pulled its neck out about 20 or 30 feet and went there. Now you're a plesiosaur. And he's like, dude, I used to be a turtle. Now, plesiosaurs weren't turtles, but they certainly have a body like one. So I thought. Maybe they would pull themselves up on the beach to lay eggs, kind of like the way a sea turtle does. But again, if it's got that super long neck, if it can't lift its head up very easily, could it crawl up onto the beach with those big flippers? Maybe it could. Or did it have live babies? I don't know. You know, ichthyosaurs had live babies. And ichthyosaurs are cousins of plesiosaurs. Maybe they had live babies and never, ever had to come onto the land. But if they did, I suspect they would have used those big flippers. And let's talk about those big flippers. Four really big flippers. These things are big. And the question is, and, and you know, um, the flippers could have been up to three meters long. That's nine feet long. That's just a flipper. Told you it was a big animal. So here's the thing about those four flippers. How did they use them? Did they flap them up and down? Sort of like, have you ever, well, the way a bird flies. Think about a bird flying. Now think of a plesiosaur 
Elasmosaurus flapping its four uh, flippers up and down and kind of flying through the water or like a penguin. You ever seen penguins use their flippers? But some scientists believe that's not how they used them. Some scientists believed it was a different kind of motion. All four of them didn't just go up and down. They kind of, kind of more like a, like a, like you, when you paddle a boat, like an oar, instead of flapping straight up and down, coming forward and kind of pushing the water back behind them. And because it had four of them, this thing was probably very fast. I believe it used those flippers to escape prey or predators and to catch prey. To be this big, you have to be able to get away from carnivores like like uh, uh, mosasaurs. Mosasaurs would have tried to eat these. Chronosaurs, pliosaurs, these animals would have tried to eat these, would have eaten these guys. So they had to have a way to escape them. And so maybe they were super fast. I think they were, even though they're big. I think they were very fast. But I don't think they flapped all four like a bird because that probably wouldn't make them go forward it could make them go up but you don't want to go up if you're being chased you want to go away so they kind of did a rowing motion and all four of them work separately maybe they use the back ones to steer a little more and maybe they use the front ones to just move a lot of water but whatever the case these things must have been amazing watching them swim through the water i can't imagine what it would be like to watch one of these swim by. It would be so cool. And finally, so what did they eat? Well, when we look at their skull, their skulls are relatively small, but have really long pointy teeth. And when this animal closes its mouth, the top teeth and the bottom teeth pass each other and literally stick out of the mouth when its mouth is closed. You would see all of its teeth sticking out of the front of its mouth. That is a fish trap. When you have teeth like that, those teeth are made for grabbing slippery fish. And they would have absolutely, the minute they close that mouth, you're done. No fish is going to get away. We know they ate fish. They probably ate ammonites. If you don't know what an ammonite is, that's an animal that kind of looks like a squid or an octopus that lived in a curly shell. They probably ate squid. They probably ate anything they saw that they thought they could get down their mouth. Yes, I think they would have even eaten birds or pterosaurs. If there was a pterosaur that dove under the water to grab a fish and there was a elasmosaurus nearby, it's going to swim over and eat him. So these things would have eaten. Now, they wouldn't have bothered something like you and I. We're way too big for them to eat. I don't think they would bother us. I hope not. I always thought of them as being like a cool animal to go swim with. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I should rethink that. Maybe that, thing, maybe that thing isn't a cute animal to go swimming with. Maybe that thing would have tried to eat you and I if it had the opportunity. So, <laughs> so Elasmosaurus is a remarkable animal absolutely remarkable animal and i would have loved to have seen one finally there's one last thing i want to tell you there is some evidence to suggest that these swimming reptiles and by the way they are not dinosaurs these are cousins these are swimming reptiles they lived with the dinosaurs but they are not dinosaurs dinosaurs do not have flippers and dinosaurs do not live their entire life in the water 
but there is evidence to suggest that they swallowed stones. And the stones in the stomach would help crush and grind up the food. Its teeth are not made for chewing. They don't have chewing teeth. They have teeth made for grabbing, and then they would probably swallow the fish whole or the prey whole. So there's some evidence that they may have even swallowed small stones that they would pick up on the ocean floor and use those stones. Those stones are called gastroliths. So there's some evidence to suggest that they may have swallowed gastroliths. You know another reason why they could have swallowed those stones? Because maybe their body needed to have a little extra weight so that they wouldn't float easily. They don't want to spend all day at the surface. You can't, there's only so many things you can eat if you're up at the surface. The fish are down below. So maybe they swallowed stones to help their body. Now, they didn't swallow so many that they would sink because they have to be able to go up and, and, uh, and breathe. These animals don't have gills. They breathe air. Whatever the case, they either use them for something called ballast. That's like what a submarine does. A submarine will float, but it has to bring water into the submarine, into certain compartments, so that it weighs more so that it sinks. So maybe Elasmosaurus and other plesiosaurs swallowed stones to kind of sort of help them sink a little easier. I don't know. But once again, who knows what the answer is? All I know is one day I'm sure some of you are going to grow up to become paleontologists and you can find the answer. Now for your homework project. For those of you who are part of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. I want you, if you have any swimming reptile, it doesn't have to be an elasmosaurus, but if you have any swimming uh, reptile toys, I would like for you to post pictures of them on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page. If your parents are not members, ask them to join. It's completely free. And so I'd like for you to take pictures of your swimming reptile collection or if you would like to i would love to see you draw a picture of an elasmosaurus elasmosaurus is spelled e l a s m o s a u r u s look at a picture of an elasmosaurus and draw me a picture of it chasing, chasing uh, prey. But remember, try to keep its neck straight. We don't think it could move it very much. Or if you're going to draw a picture and you're going to put it near the water or in the water, you're going to draw a picture of it in the water, you can make its head stick above the water, but not way high up in the air, okay? Finally, you ever heard of the Loch Ness Monster? Have you ever heard of the Loch Ness Monster? Well, for the people that claim to have seen the Loch Ness Monster, they are describing a plesiosaur like a Lasmosaurus. Is it possible that the Loch Ness Monster is real? I don't think so. I don't think so. But you never can tell when it comes to nature. All right. For those of you interested in my traveling museum, this is for you. 
Bring Dinosaur Georgia's traveling exhibit to your school, museum, or city. This is the largest exhibit of its kind in North America and will turn any facility into a natural history museum. You'll see things like prehistoric mammals, giant fish, ancient reptiles, and of course, dinosaurs. It's affordable, amazing, and will be an event you'll never forget. See complete details at dinosaurgeorge.com or call us toll free, 888-487-7478. Bring Dinosaur George's Traveling Museum to your community today. All right, let's jump over to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page and see the things people had written me there. First of all, I see that somebody's getting a special gift, and so I am not going to give it away. But all I can say is, I will, I will try to give, I will try to give him a shout out um, after this weekend. How's that? <laughs> all right, uh, Benjungasaurus. And by the way, you get to give yourself nicknames if you like. Benjungasaurus wanted to take a picture with the Allosaurus at the Dinosaur Museum in Rapid City, South Dakota, since it's my favorite. Well, Benjungasaurus, thank you very much, my friend. That is, and that is a great one, by the way. I really like that one a lot. That thing is so cool, and that looks so cool. Thank you so much for taking that picture and sending it to me. And Luke sent a picture of it looks like he's crawling into the mouth of a Spinosaurus. Well, Luke, it's been nice knowing you, kid. I'm sorry that you became a Spino Burger, but Benjungasaurus and Luke, thank you both very much. That was really nice of you. All right, Cameron, who was six years old, wanted to show everybody the scene he made of a micro raptor on a fallen tree eating a prehistoric caterpillar. What a great. Did you make that micro raptor yourself, Cameron? Cameron, did you make that out of clay or something? That is fantastic. If you made that yourself, the scene is great, too. What a great idea. You have a caterpillar laying on a fallen down log. This is a very, very nice scene. Very proud of you. Shout out to you, Cameron, for the great work. That was very good. And then Ozzy. Ah, my little Ozzy, which is Spazisaurus. And Ashtonia, which is Ashton. Uh, they made a Jurassic World exhibit. Oh, look at this. Look at this. You sent me an awesome video. You, oh, this is so cool. This is so cool. I'm glad you guys went. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And that is the coolest thing ever. Spazisaurus, Ashtonia, shout out to you guys. And love that video, by the way. Really, really nice. Oh, check this out. Now, this comes from Miss Yvonne. This is great. Thea, age six, and Ezra, age four, from Ireland, drew a 45-foot-long mosasaur in their driveway. This is beautiful. What a great job. What a great job. And it really shows how big this thing is. You guys must have used chalk or something, I guess, to do that. But everybody needs to go on there and take a look. That is fabulous. Okay, this is from Miss Beth. After listening to the Acrocanthosaurus and Carnotaurus podcast. Oh, this is great. Renoraptor was inspired to draw Acrocandysaurus because he knows he's a candivore <laughs> and make a dino scene. <laughs> Featuring Carnotaurus. 
Oh, the drawing is beautiful, and that scene is great. You've got a volcano. You've got lava. This is absolutely excellent. I am so proud of that work. Congratulations, you guys. That is excellent work. All right, five-year-old Huntersaurus Rex. Hi, Hunter. Huntersaurus Rex got a dinosaur workbook from the homeschool convention. It's a third-grade chapter book, and some of the projects require some parental help. One of them was making a dinosaur diorama in a shoebox. We gathered what we had, and this is what she came up with. Well, look at that. What a great job, Huntersaurus Rex. What a beautiful job you did. And what a great, I'm so glad that you and your parents are working with each other to do that. That is so, I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. This is really cool. You did a great job. Shout out, Hunter Source Rex. Very, very proud of you. All right. This is from Miss Missy. Hi, DG. Hope you're having a great weekend. I had an excellent weekend. Thank you. We have been listening to the Ankylosaurus episode again a lot lately, and we finally got around to doing the project. Here's my adult Ankylosaurus with a baby hiding under its belly, protecting it from T-Rex, but the most dangerous predator in my to my dinosaurs is really my dog Remy. Yeah, you know what? I totally get that. My dog used to chew up all of my dinosaur toys too. This is really good. And this comes from Luke Kylosaurus. What a great name. Who's four years old and lives in Oklahoma. I really like this a lot. It's great. You've got the babies being protected from the parent. Nicely done. Nicely done, Luke Kylosaurus. Nice work. Very, very proud of you. All right, here we go. This is from Miss Tiffany. Hi, Dinosaur George. Phoenix wanted to show you she discovered Triceratops tracks at the beach yesterday. She made them herself. I love this, Phoenix. You've got big rocks for the for the heel and small rocks for the toes, and you line them up, and it looks like a Triceratops walked right past there. That's a, You know what? I hope you left them there. So that somebody else would see them and probably went crazy. That is great. I'm so proud of you, Phoenix. That's an excellent job. Nicely done. All right. Uh, here is from Velocid Vedant, who's six years old, who is one of my favorite students, by the way. Hi, Dinosaur George. It's Teacher's Day in India, and I made a card for you. Thank you for teaching me so many cool things about my favorite topic, dinosaurs. See you soon. Velocid Vedant who is six years old. Well, I am absolutely honored that on teacher's day, you would think of me. I am honored that you would think of me. I am so proud to have you as a student. And I'm so glad that you are learning something new, Vedant. I'm very proud of you. You have such great manners and you're such a fine young person. And thank you very much. That is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. All right. Uh, Hi, Dinosaur George. It's Aminosaurus Rex. I'm five years old and love your podcast. Well, guess what? Aminosaurus Rex. I'm 59 years old and I love you. I just became a T-Rex member. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. And I'm so glad you are a club member And this is a magnificent Amargosaurus drawing. This is really, really nice. You wrote down what it eat, what it ate, 
You wrote down the size. You did a magnificent job. Very, very proud of you, Aminosaurus Rex. That's great. I love the colors, by the way. I really, really love those colors. Those are great. All right. Uh, this is from Miss Bianca, who sent me a picture of the whole crew standing in front of a dinosaur. I don't know which museum you guys are at, but I would make a recommendation. Run for your life! <laughs> Remember, you guys, trip your older brother and run like crazy. <laughs> Miss Bianca, thank you for sending that picture. That is so cool. This is from Miss Nicole. We love your podcast and listen to it every night at bedtime. Cedro had a very special day recently, and as part of that day, he got to go to his favorite place, the Dinosaur Museum. He wanted DG to see his picture with the Triceratops. Isidro, I am very, very glad you took the time to send that picture. And I love, love, love that picture. And you know what? That's life size. So that's how big. And some Triceratops got even bigger than that. But that is a really cool picture. Uh, Mom, thank you for taking time to sending it. And thank you for making it 3D because it makes it look even cooler Asidro, all I can tell you, my little friend, is be glad you don't smell like broccoli because that thing is going to eat you. Of course, your mom is probably like, you ought to smell his shoes. They smell like broccoli. Well, of course, because that's what kids' shoes are for, to stink up the house. I have the stink bomb protection. Kids have tennis shoes. They all do the same job. (laughs) All right, that's very, very good. Hey, hey, how cool is this, by the way? Uh, this is from uh, this is from Shree, um, who, by the way, um, I'm reading it as I'm going. This is so cool. Avi, who is a T-Rex member, by the way, posted a really cool thing on here. And it says, Tyrannosaurus is chronologically closer to Bach than it is to Stegosaurus. Let me explain what that means. First, Bach was a great composer, somebody that writes music. He wrote beautiful songs. And what this picture means is that T-Rex was alive. When T-Rex was alive, well, T-Rex lived closer to the age of people than it did to the age of Stegosaurus. Stegosaurus goes way farther back in time. Tyrannosaurus lived two times closer to people than Stegosaurus. That's very, very good. And that's very cool. And thank you so much for posting that. Absolutely love it. Love it, love it. And then a video that Leo and Eli made to share some T-Rex facts. Hey, this was great. I watched your video. Loved it, you guys. You did an excellent job. That's a very good job, both of you. Shout out, you guys. Shout out to Leo and Eli for taking time to make that video. It was really, really good. And then look at this, Leon. Leon made a puzzle with his mom. There's a picture of where we started and when we finished. The dinosaur circled in white is Allosaurus, which happens to be my favorite. Well, you guys did an excellent, excellent. That must have taken you forever. You must have been working on that forever. And thank you for highlighting my favorite dinosaur, Allosaurus. That looks really great. 
You did such a wonderful job. I'm so proud of you. All right, Paige, who is five years old, wanted to share her picture of a very colorful T-Rex about to eat Dinosaur George. Wait. One minute. Now, just one minute. Let me go back and read that again. Paige, age five, wanted to share her picture of a very colorful T-Rex about to eat Dinosaur George. You little stinker. You little stinker. And what? Wait. You mean you even put a napkin around the T-Rex's neck because it's going to eat me? Paige, what kind of kid are you? You naughty kid. Okay, first of all, I love your T-Rex. It is very colorful. But why is it eating me, you stinking kids? That was very good, Paige. I'm very proud of you. I love that. Hi, from Sydney, Australia. Rian, age five, wanted to share his drawing of Giganotosaurus, Albertosaurus, Allosaurus with his baby, and a Truodon. And they're all after Dinosaur George while an Argentinosaur... Wait. Wait. Rian. Let me read that again. Hi, from Sydney, Australia. Rian, age five, wants to share his drawing of a Giganotosaurus, Albertosaurus, Allosaurus with its baby, and a Truodon chasing after Dinosaur George. You little stinker. You little stinker. What kind of kid is having me attacked by all of those animals? You, I cannot believe it. I can't. Okay, at least an Argentinosaurus is trying to protect me, but I don't know if that's going to help or not. We like the podcast. And we think they're very funny and listen to them every day. All right. Yeah, you better be laughing. If you're going to draw a picture of me being eaten, you little stinker, you better be laughing. (laughs) This is great. And hello to all of my listeners in Australia. There are so many people in Australia that listen to the podcast. All right. Let's see. Rody Lewis, my buddy Rody, posted two of his wolf skulls. One is a gray wolf and the other is a dire wolf. Had a question. Did... uh, did gray wolves live with dire wolves? Also, can you do a podcast on dire wolves? I would love to do a podcast on dire wolf. I know that it's on my list, Rody. I saw it the other day when I was going down the list of, of uh, podcast subjects. Uh, I don't think they live together. I believe the gray wolf comes after the age of the dire wolf. But some scientists don't think they're that closely related. I, I, I've read something where they don't know if it's as closely related to the wolves, modern wolves, as we once thought. But whatever the case, dire wolves are absolutely amazing. All right. Uh, let's see. I think, I think that's, I think that's everything. I just want, I want to make sure. I think I got all of these before. I think I commented once before that Malachi made a really great matching game. And then also Ben drew a picture of uh, T-Rex, Allosaurus, Spinosaurus, uh, all of these, I think I mentioned these on the last podcast, but if I didn't, I really like them a lot. All right, my friends, when we come back, I'm going to answer a couple of questions and do a little bit of who would win. So hang on, uh, and I'll be back in just one moment. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. 
All right, this first question comes from um, um, from Sebastian, who is seven years old, that lives in Bakersfield. Sebastian is a member of our Patreon club. Hi, Dinosaur George. Is Saurophaganax an Allosaurid or Carcharodontosaurid? Uh, Sebastian is seven. Um, okay, Sebastian, Saurophaganax is, 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 appears to be an Allosaurid, but Allosaurids are related to the Carcharodontosaurids. So really, technically, they're all from the same basic family, but Allosaurids, Allosaurid is closer to Saurophaganax. In fact, some scientists believe that Saurophaganax is nothing more than a gigantic, a gigantic Allosaurus. They believe it's an Allosaurus. Okay, um, let's see. Um, I'm just going to go through here. Okay, this is from John. I recently became a Patreon member. Uh, T-Rex level, great. I was wondering how long it usually takes from becoming a member at this level before the benefits or the gifts arrive or sent out. I am very much looking forward to the T-Rex tooth and raptor claw, and I'm thoroughly enjoying the content of, of this site. Can't wait to display the replicas so my grandchildren and kids can enjoy them. Warmest regards, John. Well, thank you, John. Thank you very much for becoming a member. John, we usually send out the gifts. And what John is talking about is if you become a Raptor Club member, we mail you a free Raptor Claw replica. If you become a T-Rex Club member, we send you a Raptor Claw plus a T-Rex tooth replica as well. So those usually go out about, at least we try to send them out once a week. I know that we just sent a bunch of them out today. And I believe, I believe yours was in the group. You should have received an email with a tracking number so that you're able to watch it. So uh, watch for it. So I hope it gets to you very quickly. I hope it gets to you really quickly. All right. uh, Let's see. Uh, Let me see what else is in here. I'm just taking a look. Um, uh, Let's see. Hi, Dinosaur George. My name is Leon. I'm from Ballarat, Victoria, Australia. I have been interested in dinosaurs for a long time. I have tons of Lego dinosaurs. Nice. And became a T-Rex member on your eighth birthday. Thank you. And thank you for all the interesting information. Well, listen, Leon, I am very glad to have you as a member. Thank you for joining. Thank you so very much for joining. We certainly appreciate it. I I know that your gift went out. I saw them. They went out. I saw your name on it as well. So yours has gone out as well. All right. Let me take a look and see if there's any other questions. Hang on. Um, here we go. Okay. Let's take a look, see if there's any new questions that came through from my members. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think I already answered that one. I answered that one. I just want to make sure I get to everybody. Let's see. I answered that one before. Um, I'd like to know. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is from, uh, Thomas and Leo. We would like to know, does Micropachycephalosaurus walk on two legs or four? Also, if they are ceratopsians, why don't they look? Oh, wait. I think I already answered this one. Didn't I answer this for you guys, Thomas and Leo? Did I answer this before? If not, let me answer it right now just to make absolutely sure. Um, yes, it appears that it walked on two legs. From what I can tell, it looks like it walked on two legs. They're not truly ceratopsians. They are from the family Thyreophora that ceratopsians belong to. So they're not closely related. They're more closely related to Pachycephalosaurus. 
Uh, and yeah, that would be cool to do a podcast on on those on that dinosaur. That is a good suggestion. I think I might have to do that. I might have to do that because that would definitely be that would definitely be a good uh, uh, that would definitely be a good quest, uh, a good podcast uh, suggestion. All right, uh, let's see. Let's get in here and uh, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do some who would wins, and then I will do a podcast interview. So hold on, my friends, because it's time for Who Would Win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right, you have to be a T-Rex member to be able to send these in, so let's get started. We're going to start with Finley, who is known as Finraptor from Kyle, Texas. Whoop, giga Maggie's. I would like to know who would win Argentinosaurus versus Utah Raptor. Also, I love your podcast. Well, thank you, Finn Raptor. Thank you for being a member and thank you for telling me that you love my podcast. I love making them. All right, let's size up the, the rivals. Argentinosaurus has the size, Argentinosaurus has the power, Utah Raptor has the speed. Utah Raptor has the weapons. Now, if it's an adult Argentinosaurus, Utah Raptor simply would not be able to make an injury that would be dangerous or deadly to Argentinosaurus. It would hurt. It would be like a kitten scratching you. It would hurt, but it wouldn't kill you. But if it's attacking a baby, Utah Raptor might be able to take on a baby Argentinosaurus. But my guess, Finley, is that you meant an adult. And so in this case, Unfortunately, Argentinosaurus is going to knock Utah Raptor down with its tail and then turn around, stand up on its hind legs, come crashing down, and Utah Raptor has become Pancakeosaurus. <laughs> That's a really good one. That's a great one. All right, uh, let's see. Um, 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 um. Oh, you know what? I wanted to get to this as well because Sebastian, age seven, asked me a question and I forgot to answer, and I like this very much. He says, is Spinosaurus related to Allosaurus? And I read in a book that Spinosaurus lived in the early Cretaceous. In, in another, it said the mid-Cretaceous. And another one said the late. Which one is right? Actually, it lived in the mid-Cretaceous. Spinosaurus lived in the mid-Cretaceous period, uh, Sebastian. It lived in the mid-Cretaceous. Let me explain why so many books are so wrong. Some people that write dinosaur books don't care about dinosaurs. They're not interested. They're only writing a book to be able to make a living, which is okay. But what happens is that they don't really do any research. They just find other books, and sometimes they simply copy what they see in another book. And if that book was wrong, then they just print the wrong information. So it's, it's frustrating when they, in, when they don't do any research and they print that kind of stuff. But yes, it lived in the mid-Cretaceous. And it's not really closely related to Allosaurus. They come from a different... From a different um, from a different group. All right, let's see. Uh, here's one. Uh, this is from. <laughs> this is great. 
This is absolutely <laughs> This is from Heatho Raptor. Hi, I'm a new T-Rex member. Glad to have you with us, buddy. Could you do a who would win, please? Brachiosaurus versus Argentinosaurus versus Dinosaur George with deodorant. Okay, let... What did you just say? What, what, did, what did you just say? Let me read that again. And by the way, none of you better be laughing. If I found out any of you are laughing, you are all in big trouble. Okay, who would win? Brachiosaurus versus Argentinosaurus versus Dinosaur George with deodorant? You're going to take away my only weapon? Heathoraptor, are you serious, kid? The only weapon I have is the stink bomb. And you are preventing me from using the... I don't want to smell cute and lovely. Brachiosaurus and Argentinosaurus are going to turn me into mush if I can't use my stink bomb. The only thing I can do is hide. Well, I know what I'll do. When Brachiosaurus isn't looking, I'll crawl up his leg, sit on his back, and just hang on and ride him off into the sunset like an old Western movie. (laughs) All right. Maximimus. Maximimus said, could you do a Who Would Win extravaganza episode? You know what? Maybe I'll try to do that where the whole thing, the whole thing will be, uh, the whole thing will be a Who Would Win. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think that would be really, really cool. A Who Would Win, (laughs) that would be cool. All right. This is from Darko. Wants to know if I would do a podcast on Compsonathus sometimes. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, Justina, uh, Darko's mom. Yes, I absolutely will. I saw that one on my list as well. And so I know that that is one of the dinosaurs that is definitely on my list. All right. Let's see if there's any new ones on here. I try to check as much as I can, but I get so many of them. It's hard for me to do it. Let's see. I think I did that one before. I think I did Velociraptor versus Stegosaurus. Uh, here's an interesting one. This is from my buddy Noah. A pack of Coelophysis versus Postosuchus. Wow. I like this one. I really like this one, Noah. This is a good one. This is a really good one. Wow. Um, that's a tough one because the jaws of Coelophysis are so thin and the body armor is so thick on Postosuchus. I don't think... I just don't think they would be able to even penetrate the armor. Even a pack of them. I mean, they could attack its eyes maybe, but then you're in a lot of danger when you're taking on something. I tell you how they, how they ultimately replaced him. They outcompeted him for food. They would kill the food and eat it before he would show up and there's nothing left for him. That's how I think they would win. But That would be an awfully slow battle, wouldn't it? All right, Jonah from Florida, who would win in a fight? Giganotosaurus or Spinosaurus? I've been wondering that for three years. Well, Jonah, this is a battle of the titans, and you've got two monsters here. You've got Giganotosaurus, which is ginormous and has very powerful claws and very sharp teeth, and then you've got Spinosaurus with that elongated nose with those spike-like teeth and those big claws. This is a tough one. The only thing I can say is that it appears that Spinosaurus is better to be spending his time in the water. He seems to be built for being in the water, which means on land, he's not as effective. 
If Giganotosaurus is foolish enough to go into the water for this battle, Spinosaurus wins with no problem at all. Simply grabs it by the leg, pulls it under the water, and once Giganoto is off his feet, Spinosaurus is on top of him. But if this fight occurs on land, I believe Giganotosaurus. I believe Giganotosaurus is going to absolutely win this battle. All right. This is from Isold, who said, One Indominus Rex versus a mated pair of Tyrannosaurus versus one Utah Raptor versus Dinosaur George. You little stinker. You snuck that in at the end, you little stinker. All right, let's go. One Indominus Rex is not going to take on a pair of Tyrannosaurus Rexes. They hunt together all the time. They live together. They know which what, it, what who's going to do what. The Rex, the Rex team is going to win every time. Now that leaves poor Utah Raptor. He doesn't stand a chance against a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So Utah Raptor is going to get on a motorcycle and get out of there. Fortunately, the motorcycle has a sidecar and I jump in it. And me and the Utah Raptor high five and ride off into the sunset. Unfortunately, because Utah Raptor's claws are so sharp, when I high five, he cut my hand off. But other than that, it was a perfect ending to the perfect day. <laughs> All right. This is from my little buddy, Velocivedant, who says, Hi, Dinosaur George T-Rex versus a Giganotosaurus versus an Ankylosaurus. Now, Vedan says, I think Ankylosaurus would smash the competition. I think you're right. I absolutely think you're right. T-Rex, I don't think T-Rex can bite through the body armor of an adult Ankylosaur, and Giganotosaurus absolutely can't. So you're right. While those two monsters are fighting, Ankylosaurus is just whipping his tail from side to side. And when that's done, then you have one remaining. And that, I believe, is definitely Ankylosaurus. All right, my little friends. One of the benefits of being a Patreon T-Rex member is that your name gets put onto a wheel. And during our meetings, we spin that wheel. And whosoever name it lands on gets to be interviewed for a podcast. So let's take a listen to one of the people whose name came up on the wheel. Would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus club member. Today's uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex member is Michael. Michael, how old are you? Five. You're five? That's very old. Have you got a job somewhere yet? Uh, not yet. Um, my next birthday is in August 10th. Ooh. So maybe you'll get a job. What do you want to do if you when you grow up? What do you want to do for a job? Do you know yet? Um, I'd like to drive a race car called Twinmill. Ooh. Driving a race car would be crazy fun. That sounds like it would be a lot of fun. So you're five years old and you think you want to be a race car driver, but you also know a lot about dinosaurs, don't you? Yes. 
um, and when I grow older up to be 40, I'd like to be become a paleontologist. Whoa, that sounds like a lot of fun. First, you're going to be a race car driver, and then you're going to be a paleontologist. Yeah, then I want to teach everybody about dinosaurs like you. What a nice thing to do. Well, you know, the best part is if you drive a race car, when somebody discovers a bone, you can be the first one there. Because you can drive faster than everybody else. All right. <laughs> so, Michael, do you have any brothers or sisters? I I have a brother. He's three years old, and he's named Adam. Nice. Now, do you teach Adam about dinosaurs? Do you teach him a little bit? Yeah. That's and cool. I watch your podcast. I, I mean, listen to your podcast every night. Um, I make sure to do that. Well, what a nice thing. Do you like the podcast? Uh, Of course I do. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that you like it. You know, I make the podcast for young people like you because when I was as as old as you, I loved dinosaurs too, and I wished I could have learned a lot more about them. So that's why I make the podcast. So where do you live? You live in Canada, don't you, Michael? Yes, I do. Is it cold there yet or is it still kind of hot? It's warm. It's warm. Well, I love Canada very much. It's a beautiful country. Have you ever been to the United States before? Yes, um, we once lived in there. Oh, really? And then we moved up. Where did you live before? Do you remember? Chicago. In Chicago. Oh, well, then the cold weather doesn't bother you at all because Chicago gets super cold. When you yeah. were, Do you remember living in Chicago or was this a long time ago? You do. Did you get to go to the museum there? Yes, the Field Museum. Nice. And who was the big T-Rex that's in the Field Museum? Um, Snoop, it greets me. Nice. Very good. That's very exciting. And I'm glad that you uh, I'm glad that you remember growing up in Chicago. It's it's also a very cool state. And their museum is beautiful. I like their museum very, very much. So what kind of stuff do you like to do for fun? What what do you enjoy? Playing in this big pool out in the backyard. You have a pool in your backyard? Yes. Are there any sharks in it? No, uh, um, but we have some sea dinosaurs. Oh, now that's fun. That's super cool. Do you ever pretend like you're one of the sea monsters? Uh, Yeah, I pretend I'm like Spinosaurus or Mosasaurus or Megalodon. Whoa. Those are all three cool animals. And yes, they sure like being in the water, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I got long streets of hair and I like them there. So it goes all the way down to my mouth, but I took it behind my ears. Oh, that's the best place. Well, I don't have to worry about my long hair. It never gets in my mouth. Because I don't have any hair. (laughs) So, who is your favorite dinosaur or prehistoric animal? Do you have a favorite? Um, my favorite is so. Um, my favorites. Uh, I'm kind of in a Utah Raptor movie. Whoa! Whoa! I love Utah Raptor. That's my second favorite dinosaur. Why do you like Utah Raptor? Uh, because um, it's a killing combo, and you know it 
is super fast, but it's not that fast, and it's a it's an ambush hunter. Nice, nice. How do you know it's an ambush hunter? Because um, it can hide very well. Good job. Why do you think it would want to hide? What what? Why do predators ambush their prey? Because they don't wanted to see them and run away. What a great answer. So do you think that maybe its skin had like spots or stripes on it? Uh, uh, I have a Utah raptor with black stripes that we can hide in the bushes. Oh, very good. Yeah, that's camouflage. That's very yeah. important. Can you think of a meat-eating animal today that has camouflage? Um, a meat-eating one? Yeah, what kind of animal has stripes or spots today that eats meat? A tiger. There I you go. Cheetah. There you go. Cheetahs and tigers. So, you know, we look at those animals, and those animals kind of help us figure out maybe what prehistoric animals look like. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, so I agree. I think they would have may have had stripes or, or spots. Uh, do you think Utah Raptor had feathers? I don't think so. That's a good answer. I I think you're right, Michael. I think that as dinosaurs, the bigger they are, the less likely they're going to have feathers. Now, there are some big, there was a dinosaur called Concavenator. As a matter of fact, uh, Michael, I'm getting ready to send out information about our next lessons. And this will be the first one you get to join. I hope you get to join the lesson. We're going to learn about Parasaurolophus on one lesson. And then the next lesson, we're going to learn about Concavenator. And Concavenator had feathers on its arm. All right. Um, and how about the next one will be on Pentaceratops? Oh, well, you know what? Since you like Pentaceratops, I think that would be a good podcast uh, su- uh, suggestion. As a matter of fact, wouldn't it be funny if on the podcast where you're uh, interview is going to be on. We actually learn about Pentaceratops. What do you think about that? Uh, I guess so. Good. <laughs> well, I think Pen- I like Pentaceratops a lot. I like all the Ceratopsians. Do you know of any other kind of Ceratopsian? Um, I know. Who's Pentaceratops? Uh, well. Ceratopsian means um, those dinosaurs that are related to Triceratops and Pentaceratops. So who are some of the other ones? There's Triceratops. What about Styracosaurus? Yeah. He's a Ceratops. Yeah. Who else? Um, Pachyrhinosaurus. Have you ever heard of that one? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. Pachyrhinosaurus is cool looking. I like Pachyrhinosaurus. Um, What Protoceratops? Um. They all have meat eaters. Velociraptors small, but it's fast. Yes. Yes. All plant eaters had to worry about meat eaters. So they had to have protection. What yeah. do you think? Uh, what do you think little protoceratops use for protection? It doesn't have horns, right? It has a frill. Oh, it has a frill and a very sharp beak. That, yeah. That beak is very sharp, isn't it? Yeah. And, of course, it could kick with its legs. Oh, nice. That's a good one, too. Maybe he could put his head down and come running in and smash you. Yeah. That would be a good way to defend himself. I think that's a good plan. So, 
maybe I'll wear a helmet that looks like a pentaceratops and I'll go run over things. <laughs> so Did you know we got dinosaur placemats? No way. Uh, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. What kind of dinosaur? Wait, you have a placemat? Do dinosaurs eat dinner with you people? Uh, no, um, it, they're just pictures. Oh, so it's a placemat that has dinosaurs. I thought you meant it's a placemat for a dinosaur. Uh, wouldn't that be crazy? I walk in your house and I look around and go, why is there a pentaceratops eating with you? Uh, because it has its own placemat. Thank you very much. <laughs> so are there other dinosaurs? Are there any other dinosaurs that you like? I mean, I know you, you have your favorite, but is there any other ones you like? Um, I like Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. Because with sharp teeth. Yeah. He's big too. He's a big one. Do you like any of the plant eaters? Um, I like Stegosaurus. Yeah. You know, there's one cool thing about Stegosaurus that I learned that it might have been able to stand up on its back legs. Ooh. Yeah. So instead of only being on four, it could stand up on its back legs. Why do you think a Stegosaurus would ever want to stand up? Why, why would it stand up on its back legs? Can you guess? Well, it could reach tree leaves. There you go. There you go. What a smart kid. I yeah. think you're going to make a great paleontologist. Yeah, because when you look at it, when it's on on it's on all fours, its head is pretty close to the ground. And that means it doesn't get as much opportunity to find food because it can only eat plants that grow close to the ground. But if you can stand up on your back legs, then you can reach way taller leaves and you can eat more. Yeah. So um, did you know I have a good memory? You do? Well, I know you have a good memory. You've told me some pretty amazing things. I know you have a good memory. And um, I'll be back for a sec. Okay. Get a picture. All right, go ahead and run get your picture. I'd like to see what your picture looks like. In the meantime, uh, my little friend Michael ran to go get me a picture to show me something cool. And his suggestion about pentaceratops, I like that very much. Oh, uh, what do you have? Whoa. Did you draw that yourself? Um, I had a little bit of help. Grandpa came up over to yesterday afternoon. Well, you tell Grandpa thank you. That looks really great. Can you describe what your picture is so all the people that are listening know? It's the Mesozoic era in the Cretaceous. It's in Mexico. Whoa. So you... With a Brachiosaurus and an Argentinosaurus. Wow. Wow, that is a that's a big drawing too. That's really long. That's just not one page. That's a big long drawing. Yeah, and it even has those sprouts that are going to turn into flowers. Nice. It's going to sprout out strawberries. Ooh, I love strawberries. So you have you have plants, you have the sky, you have great big giant argentinosaurus that thing is huge and i have a volcano oh oh you better get away from that volcano that gets kind of hot there are, there's the meteor oh the atmosphere. no wonder you chose mexico you chose mexico because that's where the asteroid struck 
Yeah, I want to see to see um um the asteroid. Wow. Um, and there's little fishies in that river. I see the and, fish. And um, some lava turned to stone. Oh yes. On the lake. Yes, fish become fossils too. That's very very good. Um, and those fish they're called mosasaurs. Whoa! So you have. You have mosasaurs in there. Those fish better get out of the way because that mosasaur will gobble them up for lunch, I think. Um, they're all mosasaurs. Oh, so it's a huge pack of mosasaurs. Yeah. Ooh, I'm not getting in that water. Those things would eat, those things would eat me. Yeah. Good thing it's just a picture. Yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah, that's a very good point, because I would the be very The volcano nervous. has hot magma inside, and it's shooting lava. Wow, and you even know the right term. It's magma when it's inside the volcano, and it's lava when it comes out. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, you know, I said asteroid, and you said meteor, and you were correct. It's an asteroid when it's in space, but when the rocks enter our atmosphere, we call them a meteor. Do you know what you call them when they hit the ground? Meteorites. There you go, meteorites. You are a very smart person. Are you sure you're not 27 years old? Yeah. No, I think you're 27. Uh, I'm just five. Uh, yeah, sure. That's what your mom says because she doesn't like that you're growing up. She wants you to stay a kid. You're really 27, I think. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, the next time you see a grandpa, say, Grandpa, do you think I'm five or 27? Your grandpa's going to say, uh, 27? <laughs> so when we were talking before we started the interview, you said you had a who would win question. Do you remember who your who would win? Because I'll answer it right now. Um, Tyrannosaurus versus, um, I think, Indominus Rex. Whoa, whoa, that's a battle of the century, baby. Yeah. Well, Indominus Rex, you know, was made in a laboratory. So that means that it doesn't have any sort of memories about growing up. It doesn't remember being a baby. It doesn't remember, it didn't fight with any other animals. It didn't even have to hunt other animals because the scientists would have fed it. So that means even though Indominus Rex is big, it doesn't know anything about defending itself because nothing's ever attacked it. Tyrannosaurus Rex, on the other hand, now look, that dinosaur has been, had to grow up with other dinosaurs. It had to protect itself. It had to attack its prey. So it would know more about fighting than Indominus Rex. So even though Indominus is bigger and has more weapons I believe Tyrannosaurus Rex is still going to win. Now, what if it's a T-Rex that they built in the lab? Well, then, then I think Indominus wins the fight because it's bigger and has more weapons. But against a a T-Rex that was born in the wild and grew up learning all the things it had to do, it would have been unstoppable. Yeah, here comes another who would win. Tyrannosaurus versus Dino Crocuda. Whoa. Whoa. Dino How do you know about Dino Crocuda? I saw pictures of Dino Crocuda. No way. Where did you see pictures of it? On Dad's phone. 
Your dad has a Dino Crocuda on his phone? No, no, no. Does it use his phone? Does Dino Crocuda use your dad's phone? No. Does your dad know that a Dino Crocuda is using his phone? No. No, it's a picture. Oh, okay, good. Wait, your dad is a Dino Crocuda? No. Your dad is a giant Dino Crocuda? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just checking. I don't know. I don't know. I've never met your dad. Maybe he's a giant dog-looking creature. No. Does he bark when he gets mad? Does he growl when you don't do your homework? No. Uh, That makes him a Dino Crocuda? No. All right, so that was a great question. Well, Dino Crocuda, of course, is sort of like a hyena-looking creature, a very big dog animal, very powerful, and very fast compared to T-Rex. But T-Rex is just so giant Michael, I don't think even something as powerful and dangerous as a dino crocuda, I don't think it's going to survive one bite from a T-Rex. All right. Then dino crocuda versus uh, called Compsognathus. Oh, so you want to know about your dad versus Compsognathus? No, no, he... No, Dino Crocuda. Yeah, didn't you say your dad was a Dino Crocuda? No, um, be... Somebody said that, I heard him. Be right back, be right back. Are you going to feed your Dino Crocuda? Okay, Dad... Dad, I had no idea that you were a Dino Crocuda. Um, you know, all I know is if you start growling, I'm making a run for it. He's not a Dino Crocuda. Well, you said he's a... You said my dad is a dino crocuda and uses no. a phone. No. And then I said, wait a minute. You said your dad is a dino crocuda? And you were like, yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, maybe I made that part up. So, you have one more. Did you have one more? You said dino crocuda T-Rex. I chose T-Rex because he's simply too big. Um, now it's dino crocuda versus a comp. Oh, that's right. Versus a compy. Well, Compy's going to be hard to catch. Dino Crocuda's going to hard going to have a hard time catching a Compy. Yeah, but um, he might bite the Compy when it's about to run. Oh yeah, if he grabs him, fight over. Dino Crocuda's jaws are very strong. You know what? Mm-hmm. Uh oh, I thought I had one. I thought I thought I had a Dino Crocuda here in my office, but I don't. That's crazy. I wonder where he went. Huh? That's really weird. Um. Yeah, Dino Crocuda is an amazing animal. Very powerful, really big round teeth. Very, very powerful. I animal. have a question. Yes. Um does Tyrannosaurus um have uh you know gills? Does Tyrannosaurus have gills? Now, you tell me, does a Tyrannosaurus have gills? Uh I think so. Do you think Tyrannosaurus swims in the ocean? I don't think so. Yes, you are correct, you sneaky kid. You're trying to trick me with your trick questions. Yes, Tyrannosaurus does not have gills because it breathes air. It's an air breather. Michael, this podcast will be heard by kids all over the world. Okay, um, and can I... I need some who wins. You can tell me one more. Yes, go ahead. Or do you want to send them in? Um. Okay. Um. Okay. So, Godzilla 
versus Megalodon. Oh, poor Megalodon. I love Megalodon. Godzilla is going to turn Megalodon into a fish stick. First, he's going to blast it with his atomic breath, and that's going to cook him. And then he's going to have him for a fish stick dinner. Now, listen, Megalodon is so big, though, he might be able to bite Godzilla's foot. But do you know Godzilla can swim underwater? He has gills. So there's no safe place Megalodon can go because Godzilla is bigger, can go underwater, and has the atomic breath. All right. So there's a there's 108 countries. People in 108 countries listen to our podcast. Is no, there something you would like to say to kids all over the world? What would you like to say to the kids that are listening to this podcast? Would you like to tell them hello or wish them good luck? Um, I'd like to, to wish them good luck. Well, that is a very nice thing to say. And I'm sure that the kids all over the world enjoyed today's interview. Michael, I hope you had a good time. Did you enjoy the interview? Yes, I did. Well, I learned a lot. I learned that you like to go swimming. I learned that your dad is a dino crocuda. No. Oh, wait, I didn't learn that part. Yes, you're right. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast or today's interview. And I hope you like the podcast. I'm getting ready to do a new podcast tomorrow. And uh, so you make sure to listen to all of them. All right. All right, my friend. And I hope uh, I'm getting ready through your Patreon page to send out the information about our next two lessons. So I hope that you read your page and I hope you get to join us on the lesson because I hope you enjoy yourself. All right, my little friend. Thank you so much, my friend. And have a great day. All right. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thank you for taking the time to be interviewed. I hope you learned something about Elasmosaurus, the discovery that started the Bone Wars. I'll make sure to do a podcast on the Bone Wars so you can learn more about it. For everyone out there, I hope you are all being safe, being careful, washing your hands. Don't rub your eyes or put your hands in your nose or your mouth. Make sure to keep them clean. Make sure not to spread germs. Be safe. And most importantly, be kind. If you want to come to work for me, you must have good manners. So practice your reading. Use good manners. Until next time, everybody, I will see you again. to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge.